Proverbs 23.10 says, Do not enter the field of a poor man or the fatherless, for his Redeemer is strong, and he will take up his case against you. We've been looking at narratives for the past two Sundays, and we will through the month of September, looking at some of the narratives of the kings of the Old Testament because they teach us some valuable lessons. We looked two weeks ago at David and Mephibosheth, and we saw last Sunday Jeroboam and the young man of God from Judah. This morning we're going to look at a wicked king of Israel who tried to take the vineyard of a poor Jewish man. And God took up his case against the king. Read with me 1 Kings 21, verse 4. And Ahab went into the house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel said to him, Do you know how governeth Israel? Arise, and eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Our narrative this morning takes place in three acts. Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. First of all, Act 1, Naboth's vineyard, verses 1 through 16. Our story begins, Ahab was the king of Israel, and Ahab was a wicked king. In fact, the Bible tells us he was the most wicked king of anybody before him in all of Israel. He, he was cruel, he was vicious, he was greedy, he was conniving, he, he, he worshipped foreign gods. In fact, it never was about God for Ahab at all. Ahab only, only believed in God for what he could get out of the religious system. He's a wicked king. Ahab's palace was in Samaria. That's where the king lived. But he also had a summer residence north of Samaria in a little place called Jezreel. It's kind of like the U.S. president has the, the White House in Washington, D.C., and then has Camp David in the mountains of Maryland. Well, it's the same way with King Ahab. So he went to his summer home there in Jezreel, and Living right beside him, right beside his palace, was the land, small little piece of land of a, of a poor Jew by the name of Naboth. Naboth didn't have much, had the little piece of land, and he, he grew grapes, he had a vineyard on it. Been in the family for generations, and that's all he had, but it was right next to the king's palace. Ahab saw that piece of land and thought, I would like that piece of land for a vegetable garden. Summertime, I can come up here and have vegetables out of my garden. So I'm going to go to Naboth and tell him I'd like to buy it from him. So the king went to Naboth and said, Good afternoon, Naboth. And he 
your, your honor. I would like to buy your little vineyard. I will give you fair market value for it. Or if you want to do a trade, I will trade land somewhere else and let you take it. But I really need that piece of property you have for my vegetable garden. And Naboth responded, I'm sorry, king, I, I can't sell it. It is my inheritance. It's been in my, my family for generations. I, I can't sell it to you. He wasn't being obstinate. He, he couldn't. You see, it's a little different in Israel than it is, it is here. Here, if you inherit something, it's yours. But in Israel, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your family. So he was right. It's, it's my family's. I, I can't make the decision to sell it. And Ahab got furious because he wouldn't sell him a piece of land. And he got so angry and he stomped back over to the, to the palace and he walked in and he, dinner was ready, didn't want to eat, went upstairs to the bedroom, lay on the bed, turned his face to the wall <laughs> like a pouting child. The king. The Bible says he went over there vexed and sullen. When the Bible says you're vexed and sullen, you're angry. Actually, those words in Hebrew literally mean resentful and furious. There he is, lying on his bed, face to the wall, angry at Naboth. And the queen walked in. The queen's name was Jezebel. Boy, she was a character. She, too, was mean and vicious and conniving and greedy and cruel. You see, she was the daughter of the king of Tyre the enemies of Israel. So she hated Israel and hated God and hated God's people. So Jezebel walked in and said, Honey, what's the problem? Why are you vexed and sullen? Why do you not eat? He said, It's Naboth. Well, the guy next door, why? He won't sell me his vineyard. Why not? He said, it's his it's inheritance. He, he's not going to sell it to me. Makes me so mad. And she said, aren't you the king of this country? What king cowers in his own bedroom afraid of a little peasant Jew? Go out there and take it from him. You're the king. Here, tell you what. Get up, get yourself something to eat. Wash your face. Let your heart be joyful, cheerful. I will give you Naboth's vineyard. So the Bible says that she went over to some materials, had a king seal affixed to it. She wrote a document. Signed King Ahab's name at the bottom and affixed his seal to it and said, this is to all the city leaders of Jezreel. Proclaim a fast. Make everybody in the entire city come. Put Naboth at the head right in front of everybody and station two worthless fellows, one on each side of him. What I mean by worthless? Guys that will do what I want them to do. And here's the plan. Have both of these worthless fellows turn to Naboth and say, I heard you curse God. 
And the punishment for cursing God, according to Leviticus 24, 16, is death by stoning. They take him out and stone him. We'll take his finger. Affix the king's seal and send it to the city leaders. They got it. They read it. Yes, ma'am. So they proclaimed a fast in all of Jezreel. Everybody must come. They all gathered, and they put Naboth at the very head of it where everybody could see him. What's interesting is fasts were for the purpose of repentance and seeking God. They were using it for murder. Put Naboth at the front. They did. The two worthless fellows turn and say, Hey, wait a minute. I just... I just heard him curse God and the king. He deserves death. Deuteronomy 24 tells us there must be two witnesses for a stoning to take place. And Leviticus 24, 16 says, if you curse God, Jezebel added the part, if you curse the king as well. We heard him. We'll take him out and stone him. So they grabbed Naboth took him outside the city there on the stone pavement and they stoned him to death and his blood splattered across the city streets. And some stray dogs came up and started licking his blood. City leaders went to the queen and said, Your Majesty, Naboth's dead. Vineyard yours. So Jezebel went to Ahab. Honey, Naboth is dead. The vineyard is yours. Fine. Thank you so much. And he headed to the vineyard. Act 2. Elijah enters. Ahab went down to the vineyard assuming everything's fine. Got Naboth out of the way. Yeah, sorry it had to happen that way. But you know, an old Jewish man, he dies. Those things happen, you know. And life goes on. Stray bullet hits a homeless person. Okay, it's bad, but life goes on. Sorry it had to happen, Naboth, but I needed, I needed a vegetable garden. So he begins to envision the garden. Thinking, Let's see, now I could put some tomatoes over here. And I think I could probably put some corn over here. And he's envisioning the garden when all of a sudden the scene shifts to the north. Go up to Mount Carmel. God's prophet is there by the name of Elijah. God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, I want you to go down to Jezreel and confront King Ahab he is walking in Naboth's vineyard. Notice God did not say he's walking in his garden. God still considered it Naboth's. He's walking in Naboth's vineyard. Lord, what I tell him when I get there? Well, ask him a question first. Say, thus says the Lord, have you killed Naboth and taken his vineyard? Well, I saw when the dogs licked his blood, and at the very same location, Ahab, the dogs are going to lick your blood. Tell him I said that. 
So Elijah traveled down from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, and he sees Elijah coming. Ahab does. He's in the garden. And he sees Elijah coming, and he goes, Oh, Elijah, my old enemy, how are you? You see, Elijah and Ahab knew each other. Three chapters earlier was where they had the, the fire on Mount Carmel, and, and Elijah prayed against 450 prophets of Baal, and God answered by fire. And, and Jezebel got so angry she wanted to kill Elijah. Oh, oh, they knew each other. Well, if it isn't my old enemy, Elijah, how in the world are you? I see you found me in my garden. He said, no, king, I found you in Naboth's vineyard. God has a question for you. Did you kill Naboth and take his vineyard? No answer. Well, God has a message for you. The message is your house, every last wretched male in it, is going to die a violent death. All your sons, son-in-laws, every male. Your house is going to be like the house of Jeroboam and Baasha. didn't turn out well for them because, you see, you have angered God and you have cursed Israel with what you've done. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to die in the same spot Naboth did, and the dogs are going to come lick your blood as well, like they licked his. And as far as your wife Jezebel, she is also going to fall and be killed, and the dogs are going to come lick her blood, but they're also going to fight over her body to eat it. Have a good day, king. And he started to leave. And Ahab went, hold on, wait, wait, hold, hold on, Elijah, Elijah, come back, hold on. What is it? Did, did you say I'm going to die and my family's going to die and my wife? Yes. I, I don't want that. And Elijah, what I did was wrong. I, I know it was wrong. I, I took a man's life and I took his piece of property and I'm sorry for that. I, I repent of that. And the Bible said King Ahab tore his clothes, which was a sign of repentance, and put on sackcloth, which was a sign of repentance, and took ashes and sprinkled them on his head, which was a sign of repentance, and started fasting, walking around dejectedly so everybody could see he was in mourning. He was truly sorry, and God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, do you see that? Yeah, I see it, Lord. He's a play actor. He, he, he's not sorry. He's just, that's how he is. And God said, no, no, no. He means it. He's repenting. Have you ever, have you ever done something because it's to your advantage and you know it was wrong, but nobody else knows it, and you think you got by with it. You didn't. 
God sees. And he saw Ahab repentant. And he said, Elijah, I forgive him. What? I forgive him. Now, there will be consequences to pay. But I'm not going to judge him during his lifetime. I'm going to judge his sons. Hit pause for a moment. Does that bother you? That a man committed murder and got by with it? It bothered me for a while until I realized I'm Ahab. And I'm no better than he is. I've never killed a man taking his property, but I've transgressed the holy God. And I don't deserve heaven either, or forgiveness either. Neither do you. But the truth is, no matter what you've done, if you're truly repentant and humble yourself, Jesus will forgive you and save you. I hear people all the time, Pastor, I can't be saved. I've done, I've done too much. God could never forgive me. Who do you think you are? He can't forgive you. He's more not powerful enough to forgive you. The truth is, this morning, any of you, no matter what you've done, if you'll repent and come to Jesus, he'll forgive you and he'll save you. Some of you need to do that today. He's a loving, forgiving God. So he forgave Ahab. And for three years, nothing happened. Looked like he got by with it. But there are consequences, so we come to Act 3. Act 3, Ahab pays. Three years go by, and Ahab is still the king of Israel. And as I mentioned to you last Sunday, Israel had a civil war, and they divided into the south and the north, and both of them had their own kings. King of the south was Jehoshaphat. King of the north was Ahab. Here's the problem. There's a piece of property in northern Israel called Ramoth-Gilead. In the civil war, Israel lost control of it, and Syria took it over. So one day, three years later, Jehoshaphat, the king of the south, went to Ahab in the north and said, Ahab, you know, I, I noticed that Ramoth-Gilead is really in Israel. It's really our property, but Syria is controlling it. Why is that happening? I don't know. Well, let's take it back from them. If, if you join your forces with my forces, I, I know we split up and, and you know, we're, we're enemies at times. But if we join forces together, we can both go up there and take Ramoth-Gilead back from Syria. Ahab says, that's a great idea. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. We're one big army. Let's go. And Jehoshaphat says, hold on, hold on a second before we go. Don't you think we ought to ask God about going first? Yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. Are there any prophets around who will tell us whether we should go into battle or not against Syria? Well, there are a few prophets. We call them the king's prophets. 
Yeah, but they, they tell you what you want to hear. They don't tell you the truth. Yeah, that's true. But, but go get them anyway. So the king's prophets came back, and Jehoshaphat asked, Could you divine from God whether we should go into battle or not? And the prophet said, Oh, yes, go into battle. God is with you. He will bless you. You will have great victory. And Jehoshaphat turned to Ahab and said, I, I think they're lying. Yeah, I don't know. They tell us what we want to hear. Ahab, is there any prophet in all the land who will tell us the truth? And Ahab said, well, there is one. I hate him. There is one. His name's Micaiah. And he never says anything good about me. Never. But he does tell the truth. Go get him. So they sent for Micaiah. Micaiah came back, and Jehoshaphat said, Micaiah, can you divine from God whether we should go to Ramoth Gilead and defeat the Syrians or not? What does God want us to do? And, and Micaiah said, oh, by all means, go, king. God will bless you. He will give you the victory. Just go. And Jehoshaphat said, is that the truth? Micaiah said, no. Which is what you wanted to hear, isn't it? No, I want to hear the truth. You want to hear the truth? I can just picture Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you want the truth? I want the truth. Okay, here's the truth. You're going to die in battle. And God has a bunch of worthless sheep in Israel because he's got a bunch of worthless shepherds like Ahab. And Ahab said, see there, I told you, never says anything good about me. Because a bunch of worthless shepherds. And these prophets, what you call prophets around you, they just tell you what you want to hear. They're a bunch of liars. And as soon as he said that, one of the prophets walked up and punched him in the nose. Now, Micaiah, which spirit told me to do that? And Micaiah's going, okay. All of you seek shelter because you'll all need a place to hide in battle. And he left. So Ahab and Jehoshaphat begin to talk. Should we go or should we not? Ahab says, I have a, I have a plan. Let's go ahead and go up to Ramoth Gilead and go into battle against the Syrians, but here's what I think we can do. Every time we go into battle, you wear your royal robes, and I wear my royal robes, and it's very obvious we're the kings, okay? Let's don't do that this time. I'm going to dress down. I'm going to look like a common soldier, and they won't know which one's the king to kill me, and I'll fool I'll be disguised. Good idea. So he dressed down, looked like a common soldier, and they went into battle. And as they went, there he is, propped up in a chariot. The battle starts, and the Bible says as the battle begins, a Syrian soldier at random, wasn't even aiming, shot an arrow into the Israelite camp. And guess where it went? Straight to Ahab. And guess where it hit? He had armor on. 
right where the armor meets, there's just a little spot stuck. And he began to bleed profusely. And he told the chariot driver, get me out of battle, hurry, get me away, get me away, I'm wounded, I'm bleeding. And so he turned around and he got him out of the battle and he put him over the battle side. The battle kept going, all raged all day. And he's propped up in the chariot watching the battle until just after sunset, still bleeding. Just after sunset, Ahab died. They took him back to Samaria to bury his body. Whenever they did, blood had pooled in the chariot. And so they went down to one of the pools in Samaria to wash the blood out of the chariot, and they were washing it out. And it was, blood was mixing in with the water, and they noticed the prostitutes were bathing in the water there. And as they were washing it, they noticed some dogs came up and started licking the bloody water. It had come true. You know what happened to Jezebel? Nine chapters later, what God had said happened, Ahab's house fought back and forth, killing each other, and they're in battle, and one of the commanders of his son's army named Jehu, Elijah had been replaced by Elisha as God's prophet. Elisha told Jehu, go to the palace and kill Jezebel. So he headed for the palace. Jezebel heard she was, he was coming to kill her. So she put on a wig, put on makeup, put on eyelashes, jewelry, fixed herself up like the queen, beautiful clothes. And she's on the upstairs floor, and she threw open the window and said, Jehu, and she started to taunt him. Some Bible scholars believe she was trying to seduce him so he wouldn't kill her. Other Bible scholars believe that she dressed up because even if she's going to die, she wants to go out like a queen. Jehu! And Jehu said, Jezebel, today you'll die. And he told the soldiers surrounding her, Soldiers, cast her down! And she said, They won't do it. They're loyal to me. And they picked her up, and they cast her out the window, and she fell and she hit on the pavement below, and the horses came by just at that time, ran over her body, and blood splattered on the walls. And dogs came to lick the blood. And then after they were licking the blood, the Bible says they started to fight over her body, and they took her body off, and they ate Jezebel except her face, the palms of her hands and her feet. The evil, the evil she had done, the evil she had gone to do. Even dogs won't eat evil. This story is the most famous sermon a Baptist has ever preached outside of Billy Graham. This story was preached by a man by the name of R.G. Lee, who was a pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis from 1927 to 1960. He preached the, this sermon 1,200 times, and he entitled it, Payday Someday. Back in the 1950s, R.G. Lee 
most assuredly stood right where I'm standing and preached the sermon one Sunday morning. He did a revival here back in the 1950s and most assuredly preached payday someday. And in the sermon, here's what he says. Nobody can escape God. Payday is going to come for every one of us because payday is written in the very constitution of God's universe. Yes, payday will come someday. While that is a dread to some of us, it's also a comfort to others of us. If you remember in Genesis 16, Hagar, pregnant with Abraham's child, mistreated by Sarah, ran away and ran to the desert, alone and desperate and pregnant, didn't know which way to turn. And God found her and said, Hagar, go back. I see you. I'm with you. And God's sight brought such comfort that she called God a name nobody called him before or since. El Roi, which means the God who sees me. And whatever you're going through today, may yeah, be good. God sees you. He's with you. So whether it brings dread or whether it brings comfort, God sees. Lord, I thank you today for this passage and the lessons you teach us. Lord, there are some here probably that, that think they got by with something. And the message to them from you is you know everything that happened. Father, there are others here that need to trust Jesus as Savior. They, they believe you can't save them. They believe you can't forgive them. But Lord, I pray today that they would submit, humble themselves like Ahab humbled himself. Truly repent and turn to Jesus as Savior. And I pray today would be the day salvation comes to their house. Lord, I pray for those who need comfort today, the seeing eyes of God to comfort them in what they're going through. Would you do that? In Jesus' name, amen.